So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Newsflash. Newsflash. Smashing Security has made it to the finals of the European Security Blogger Awards. If you can be asked, please go to smashingsecurity.com slash vote, and you can vote Smashing Security the best security podcast. Voting closes on the 1st of June, so don't delay or I'll electrocute your eardrums. That's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. And now, on with the show. They went to his house and they found a USB thumb drive hidden inside a box of tissues. Are you sure it's oh. the thumb drive that he was smelling? <laughs> <laughs> no offence, but he is a teen boy, right? I wonder what that thumb drive's got on it in the box of tissues. <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 78, Hounds Hunt Hackers, Two Human Google AI, and Ethnic Recognition Tech. WTF with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security episode 78. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined again today by returning guest, it's investigative cybercrime reporter Jeff White. Hello, Jeff, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, great. Welcome to the show. Hello, it's good to be back. Good to have you back as well. Now, I remember last time we had you on, I think it was a while back actually, uh, you were on, f- on your way to Edinburgh to perform in your show, The Secret Life of a Mobile oh, yes. Phone. How did it go? It went really well, and like statistically, I can I can put hand on heart and say it went well because we we sold out. We were a sellout hit at the Edinburgh Festival. Ninety five point one percent sold, I think, was our figure. Ooh, wow, really good, really good, very impressive. I have to say. Now I'm wondering if you can give us any tips because we are about to make our first theatrical performance as well. We're not oh. we're not charging. <laughs> Right. That's a, that's a, you've, you've conquered the first tip then, which is to do it for free. <laughs> but there is going to be a series of Smashing Security live shows in June up and down the country. Oh. Appearing as part of Chess Cyber Security Secure Tour in Cambridge, London, Manchester and Edinburgh. Now, is, are there any things that you found we shouldn't do? Anything which works? Yeah. The more hands-on you can make it, the better. The more Literally or figuratively? Stuff, well, it depends what kind of show you've got. Um <laughs> 
But uh, if you can if you can get face to face with people and say, look, this isn't about somebody else somewhere over the other side of the world. This is this is your information. This is your data. It just introduces that little sort of frisson to things, and people people pay attention. That would be my advice. Frisson and getting hands on with people. Crow, this sounds right up your tree. I mean, I'm <laughs> I, I don't really like to touch the public too much. I'm a bit like Victoria Beckham in that way. Uh, you know, civilians, I think, keep your range, you know, just keep away from me. Is that right? I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit uncomfortable, Kroll, because I'm going to be in the same room as you. And, of course, we never normally record the show oh, yeah. in the uh, same room. Are you, are you worried that I'm going to outshine you? <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? is that that what goes it is? without saying. Kroll. How do I tone down my shine, Jeff, so that Graham <laughs> feels comfortable? <laughs> well, no, what, see, this, is, this will work well as a double act. You have one person out the front who's kind of the, the shiny, cheery, acceptable face of cybersecurity. Thank you. And you have Thank somebody you. in the background who's, frankly, a bit creepy and dark. <laughs> creepy. And the audience look at and think, oh, that's the guy. Who's that person? <laughs> creepy you know. and dark. Yes. Yeah. I just, I'm just putting it out there. These are characters, Graham. They're not necessarily oh, okay. real. Yes, They're yes, just characters course, course, you can course. play, okay. right. you know, yeah. in the things. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, we've got a little time to practice. Well, any listeners that would like to see us live and watch us do the best job ever should check out the Security website. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's at smashingsecurity.com slash live. We've got all the links there. Well, there you go. There you go. Thanks to Meta Compliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing your cybersecurity risk posture. And Meta Compliance makes this easier by providing a single platform for phishing, cybersecurity training, policy, privacy, and incident management. Listeners can get a 10% discount off the high-quality cybersecurity e-learning catalogue by quoting the code SMASHING. Just visit www.metacompliance.com. That's www.metacompliance.com. And welcome back. Well, I've got a bit of a doozy of a story for you today. Okay? And in some ways, it reminds me... Do you remember when uh, Ferris Bueller hacked into his school computer? And I think it said that he was ill or saying, or changed the number of days that he'd been out of school or yes. some sort of shenanigans like that. That is like a that. great, great film. Um, <laughs> it is a wonderful <laughs> film. Bueller. Um, well, Bueller. Bueller. Has anyone seen Bueller. Ferris Bueller? <laughs> Well, there Swing, is a... Bada, bada, bada. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> You're right, Carol. Um, well, there is a high school student in the San Francisco Bay Area who's just been accused of hacking his grades. <laughs> Probably not the first time that's happened, is it? No. But it's all said to have started with a simple phishing email. And uh, a police sergeant, Carl Cruz, told the local TV station... Capex. It's a really cool name for a TV station, I thought. Um, Capex. Capex. Yeah. <laughs> he, he told them that, that what happened was that an email was sent, which looked like it was coming from the Mount Diablo school district site, telling okay. teachers to log in to update uh. their passwords, reset something or other. And when a, one of the teachers did, of course, the student was able to grab their login details. Mm. once he logged in, he did, of course, change his grades. But he didn't just change his grades. He also changed the grades of about 16 other students. Oh, he is young, isn't he? Thinking he wouldn't get caught and change 16 <laughs> other people's students. How many students are in the school? How many in the class? What a, well, well, what a dumb mistake, dude. Well, some students' grades went up. Of course. Like his buddies. Oh, no. Did he put some down? <laughs> and some went down. 
And oh, you see, revenge, oh. revenge. And oh, surprise, 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 mm-hmm. surprise, the authorities were able to trace who was responsible. I guess it wasn't that difficult. You know, they had, a, they didn't have more than 16 suspects, did they? <laughs> Fiona, Fiona, uh, normally as A-plus student, was yes. shocked with her F. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tony, who's got an A-star star in computer science and a D in theatre studies, has suddenly got an A in theatre studies. How did that happen? <laughs> Exactly. How does anyone get a D in theatre studies anyway? Let's, let's face it. <laughs> anyway, police went round to the house, but they didn't go on their own. They brought with them their friend Doug. Doug? Now, Doug is a dog. He's from their K9 division, and he is trained to sniff out electronic equipment. And, Whoa! And there apparently are more and more dogs which are being trained to sniff out SD cards, flash drives, USB. What? Go, oh, that has Ferris Bueller's Dale off on the moon, well, on, that, on that one. <laughs> well, I don't think they Delicious. can. I, I don't think they can identify the contents right. of what's on. It's a nice idea, Chris. I don't think. Although dogs have noses which are thousands of times more powerful than ours, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think they're able to do that yet. Uh, well, frankly, they need to put a bit more effort yeah, in. Yeah, reading a hard drive with your nose is quite impressive. I believe it only takes about six weeks to train a dog to find these things. So, I mean, it's like... Okay, so wait, he's smelling like the little, what, skin particles that someone has left on a piece, a device, is what you're saying? No, no, no. They are okay. trained... Well, no, it'd have to be the, be the metal, wouldn't it? Or well, the, or the let, plastic me, or let me tell you right now. Dr. Jack Hubble who is a forensic science examiner in Connecticut, he has successfully isolated the chemical compounds used on circuit boards and storage devices like micro SD cards. And that's one distinctive scent. Oh, And yeah. there is another scent which is found on DVDs and CDs and floppy disks. And wow. so That's kind of cool. So they have these compounds and now. scary. They, <laughs> yes. They have these compounds which are used to train dogs. To, to actually have the smell, which wow. ob- obviously is something they're able to identify above and beyond the typical smell of the hacker's bedroom. Y- you get there with your <laughs> Doug, right? And you say, Doug. Doug the Doug, dog. Doug, 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 go find the DVD player. Go, go, boy, go. Right. And then he unplugs it with his gob and brings it to you. No, Crow, it's not <laughs> unplugging the... D- but first of all, it's not the DVD player. That's not hard to spot, is it? A great clunky <laughs> thing from the 1980s. It's the actual DVD or... The tiny SD cards. Oh, yeah, that'll work really well after the dog the t- slobbered all over oh, it. Look, all right. I didn't think <laughs> you were going to get this technical, right? But I've actually researched this story. They don't actually <laughs> grab these things with their teeth and slobber all over them, right? They don't do that. These are what, normal questions. You shouldn't be treating me like an idiot. What they How do, do what they do, we can just make an assumption. What they actually do is they sit still or they sort of point or sort of, I don't know. Sort of, they, they get over a, here, boss. They get a thumb and sort of go, oh, I'm really shy, gov. This way, right? Here it okay. is. And they motion towards where the thing is. And I imagine they woof or whatever, right? So they don't actually touch it because you don't want to mess around with the evidence. But... Back at the beginning of this section, I talked about this student, right, who'd hacked in and changed the grades. They went to his house and they found a USB thumb drive hidden inside a box of tissues. Are you sure it's the thumb drive that he was smelling? (laughs) (laughs) No offence, but he is a teen boy, right? I wonder what that thumb drive's got on it in the box of tissues. (laughs) Now, the report I've read doesn't make clear, you know, if any incriminating evidence of hackery was found on the USB stick. But why else would a teenage boy hide something like that in a big box of tissues? You know, it goes... Get, porn on it. Well, oh, I wasn't going to say that. That's obviously the answer. Exactly. 
<laughs> Carol just went you. straight for it, went straight for the jugular she there, did, She did, she did. I mean, the thing is, Carol, you, you said earlier, are they able to determine what's actually on the drive? And I, the, the dogs can't currently, but I think if they're able to learn within six weeks to sniff out an SD drive... If they were given six months, if these dogs were actually put to some hard work and encouraged <laughs> properly, maybe they would be able to work out if there are some secret PGP keys on there or a, a Bitcoin wallet or a database mm. of stolen credit card information. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. <laughs> now, this isn't Doug the dog, and I love saying Doug the dog. He is not the only canine who is helping police sniff out cybercrime. In 2014, police in Rhode Island revealed that they had uh, a secret weapon against paedophiles. Thoreau the Labrador. Well, you know, what a perfect name which, for a smart dog. <laughs> well, good boy, good boy, which good was, boy. Well, that found, uh, that sniffed out hard drives and even found a USB stick hidden inside a metal cabinet. Wow. And so wow. they have been used in the past to pick up paedophiles who've hidden storage devices and everything from ceiling tiles to radio. So it, wow. it, it is extraordinary that these sort of things happen. My feeling is, though, that surely there must be a high false alarm rate and they must be picking up the smells of other things which are similar okay, as well. I have a plan. I have yes. a plan. Yes. So what you do is, if you have a USB you don't want anyone to find, you put it inside a doggy treat. Right. Oh, that's then right. the yeah. dog comes, yeah. smells yeah. the doggy treat, maybe eats it, although I suppose then he'd be in the police custody when he, he went to the loo. <laughs> Some poor policeman's job. Yeah, I yeah, need to so rethink get this. Get the rubber gloves out, Sarge. Well, I, it is an interesting question, though, because those of us who don't want the authorities to find our electronic paraphernalia, whether we've been naughty or not, going through security. Or your housemate, or your housemate, right. or anyone. Uh, who right. has who has a poodle with them, which is sniffing out your USB drives? How would you disguise the smell? What would you use? I'd wee on it. Liver. You'd, you'd want on it, Jeff. I'd wee on it. I don't know. Just the first thing that came into my mind. Like it's worth a go, That's isn't not it? Not going to attract a dog at all, is it? <laughs> and also, with it their would... very sense of nerve, be like, Ugh. oh, your secret P-mail messages will be safe there. I'm sure. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But I wonder if there's a market for pre-scented electronic equipment, something with a, oh, yeah. a hint of lavender about it. Yeah, or, or liver, yeah. something, you know, something that dogs like but are trained not to like when they're on the job. Or yeah. if you are a cyber crook, maybe you should, maybe you've got your cyber crime den. Maybe you should just cover it, smear pedigree chum everywhere yeah. to put dogs off the scent. Yeah. And then they mm. won't be able to grab it, will they? Well, yeah, it's true. Kind of stealing my idea. Well, putting it inside the dog biscuit, just saying. <laughs> Get your own material, Cluely. <laughs> Christ. Well, anyway, kudos <laughs> to Doug the dog for digging up dog. his yeah. data in this fashion. Hey, and, Clue. Uh, yes. Did you ever cheat at school? Did you ever change your grades or anything like that? Sorry, Clue. Your, your line's breaking up. I'm finding it hard to hear you at the moment. <laughs> I can't quite make up what you said. <laughs> Jeff, what's your story for us this week? <laughs> well, I am. Um... I inadvertently provoked a Twitter storm uh, this week, which is a first for me. I've never had a Twitter storm before. I don't know whether storm is maybe a Twitter, a Twitter squall or a Twitter piece of inclement weather. <laughs> I, I was researching a story about facial recognition and okay. I came across a company called Entech Lab, who actually have hit the news before. It's not the first mm. time they've, they've been in the news. Um, Russian company, they do facial recognition. They're very good, apparently, at facial recognition. They've won several awards and competitions for it. Their website has a section on their upcoming projects, among which is ethnicity recognition. Oh. Mm. And Sorry, like really ethnicity? Eth like ethnicity recognition. And you can already hear the can opener hitting that can of worms. You can you can start to hear that opening up. 
And then they have a picture illustrating what this might look like. And it's a picture of people of different ethnicities, apparently, with sort of boxes over their faces with European and African and Arabic next to them. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Still on the site as we speak. Um, the first problem they had, and the thing that a lot of people on Twitter picked up on, is that Arabic is a language, not an ethnicity. So <laughs> immediately you're kind of in bad territory there. It's interesting. You know, this is new territory for me. I'm a, I'm a tech person, but yeah. I found it fascinating because obviously then people start talking about, well, what is race and what is ethnicity? And clearly from a photograph, there is no way, there's absolutely no way you can work out someone's ethnicity. Yeah. And so these people are saying, oh, well, look, my dad's from here. My mum's from there. Nobody knows what my ethnicity is. People get confused. So the idea that a uh, from an image, you know, from a camera, you can do that. Why the f*** um, would anyone want to, though? Like, who would want this? Companies? Who, who are they marketing to? I was racking my brains for what you would see as the positive, good, benign use case for this. And the only one I could come up with is some kind of equal opportunities monitoring where you can say, well, you know, we had this many people of, of this ethnicity or this. But it's skin colour. It's not even... I don't even think it's ethnicity. I think it's just we had this many people of this skin colour through the door. And I don't really see how that helps anyone anybody and obviously the bad use cases are are, yes. are horrific you know yes yeah could it be that this company is targeting law enforcement for instance and if they're looking for a suspect of a particular ethnicity this cuts down the number of people that they have to check out uh, uh, is that suppose possible how they're selling dude this? dude in a yellow hoodie running down the street an easier way of identifying you say that Carol, there was just a big facial recognition case where the police were using the, the technology in wales at an at mm. an elvis convention and i believe the elvis convention there were a lot <laughs> well, of people like elvis. in great big white <laughs> flares you know the big <laughs> pantsuit and Hard to get the description <laughs> of what they were wearing, right? <laughs> but it's it's interesting. I mean, the the, the Wales example is interesting, and I, this technology actually it's, it's getting more and more advanced to the point where grabbing an image off a CCTV camera or with your phone or whatever and matching it to a picture that you've just got from the internet somewhere is now feasible. Apparently, there's this little triangle between your eyes and your nose, and the geometry of that exact triangle. So it works. It can even work through like. If you're wearing a scarf over your mouth or whatever. Time for plastic surgery. <laughs> you said you it, would have to get rid of. You would have to get rid of your whole nose. You would have to take off your nose in order to, to make that work. quite good without a nose, I think. Well, you know. Yeah. I could pull it off. If you don't wear glasses, you won't do it. It's fine. <laughs> you haven't thought this through, have you, Carl? <laughs> That's normal. That's normal. Um, the facial recognition company in question, Entech Lab, have responded, did get back and said they apologised. Uh, this has caused negative reactions. They didn't mean to hurt any feelings. And they said the misunderstanding was caused by a communication and localization oh, issue. Oh, a localization yeah. issue. Basically, their English translator ain't that hot. <laughs> Who knows? It's still yeah. quite opaque what happened there. So this was a Twitter storm you were saying, right? So what happened on Twitter? What did people say? It's basically sort of 37,000 um, <gasps> likes of the tweets and that kind of thing. Great, so, I'm so jealous. I can smell it now. <laughs> it was, do you know what's fascinating? There was three responses, right? Three responses. Number one, Arabic is a language, not an ethnicity. Right, we've covered that. Number two, you can't work out ethnicity and race just from images, you know, and there's a whole thing about what that actually means. But number three was really interesting. Number three was just because you can make this technology, does that mean you should? Yeah. And for me, that gets into an interesting territory because, like, 
I understand the thing that you, you know, this, this has some horrific uses, but then do we turn around to technology companies and say, stop researching that particular area because somebody might use it for bad purposes? And they could say, well, yeah, but they could use it for good purposes. Who's, whose sort of job is it in a way to, to police this? Because you could get it wrong either way. You could stop companies working on stuff that could be Internet good. Internet ethicists. True. Should we have, you know, is it, should it, every company have like an internet ethicist that they have to consult? Yeah. And if so, who would that, you know, do you want that job? I don't. <laughs> or, or maybe we, or maybe there should be, a, you know, we should form a consortium where everyone has a representative where we can agree on, you know, I mean, there's lots of people looking into trying yes, to do this yes. as well no, already. No, but, no, yeah. You're absolutely right, Carol. If we set up a consortium, then there'll be no rogue regime anywhere in the world, <laughs> which is already breaking human rights, which will, they'll say, oh, well, there's that consortium, isn't there? We oh, must here comes grumble guts one No, more I'm not time. being grumble. Uh, this is the genuine problem, right? Is that we? I think oh, yeah, we. So rec- don't try. I think, don't try. No, Just sit I'm, on your ass and bitch about it. I, I think maybe guidelines are helpful to people, and you know, but we cannot expect everyone to not engage in this kind of thing because the technology is available, and we can see that it is powerful. And in the wrong hands, it could be extremely dangerous. There are companies that we've all witnessed. Well, we've all. How got, does this? How does this really help? I mean, I have eyes. Presumably, I, if it's about telling someone's skin color. But for some companies, this would help. For instance, right, you might want a system inside your business which scans people as they come in to work out if they are authorised to enter the building, okay? And just like you might use facial ID uh, on the iPhone 10 to unlock the phone, you may use a system like this to say, this person, yep, they can come in, we know who they are, and you keep track of people without them having to scan themselves. It's just an advancement of technology. I'm not saying I like it, but that is the kind of thing which is beginning to happen and which companies like this are beginning to sell to people as well. Now that, combined with other data which they might have about you, becomes an incredibly powerful surveillance device. There is another way around that I thought of another okay, possible telling. thing with this, is um, is licensing agreements. I mean, if you're the company that makes this technology and you sell it, you know, we're used to kind of signing up to terms and conditions. Obviously, we don't we don't read them ever. But, um, you know, you, you could have a sort of thing where the licensing agreement says, you know, we have ethical guidelines about how this should be applied, anti-discrimination guidelines. Yeah. By licensing this technology, you sign up to it. The problem is, of course, I suppose if you just hand it over and say, look, you bought it, take it away, use it. Yeah. You know, the licensing agreement means you've got an ongoing thing, but it, it does mean that technology companies are then sort of on the hook for how their stuff is used. I just, it's a, it's a thorny one. Yeah. There. And besides the fact, if 99% of people decide, yes, I'm going to follow the regulations and the guidelines and the one rogue percent that always is around decides to try and circumvent the rules and do something a bit naughty, that, that's still better than 20% just feeling their way through and not knowing what's mm. actually even ethical or unethical. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting also, I mean, a lot of these technologies get developed in places where the people who are developing them are in the majority kind of ethnic group and there might be laws to prevent discrimination there. They don't sort of think, well, hang on, when this gets exported to somewhere where ethnicity is a massive issue and right. where there aren't laws to complete it, you know, how is it going to get used but there? So it's, it's just interesting. Who are their marketing people then? You know, like, surely they're asking somebody going, do you think this is a good idea for, you know, the, the US or the market? There should just, I mean, look, the number of stories I've covered where... A technology company does something incredibly crass and dumb and offensive and po- and sometimes illegal. And I just think, did it never occur to you to just ask some of your non-techie mates, hey, I was at work today and we're working on this new thing. You know, they go, you're doing what? Just yeah. real people will be able to tell you. You know what? You're right. And my story actually is about exactly that. Exactly Ooh. that. So, uh, yes. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invest in hoodies. 
I think hoodies are the future. <laughs> it's worked very well for Zuckerberg, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's very much a role model for me. It's like those um, uh, anonymous masks, the Guido Fawkes masks, which yeah, are way. Yeah. And I always loved the irony that they were actually all licensed by Time Warner from the V for Vendetta movie. <laughs> so they were making a fortune out of everyone. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's funny. <laughs> Crow, what have you got for us this week? Well, I'm here to talk about making appointments. So, Jeff, you know, when you have to make a car service appointment or whatever, how do you feel about that? Do you look forward to those phone calls? <laughs> I, I love them. I, I do them on behalf of other people because I love them that much. Do you? Fantastic. No, <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm so glad we're friends. And Clue, what about you when you call your manicurist or Botox guy? How does that so, go? What? what? <laughs> manicurist? Botox? Yeah. Come on, you're a total you're, baby face. We've all seen your lips, Cluely. We've all seen your lips. <laughs> uh, tell me that's natural. Go on, tell me that's natural. Girlfriend. Are you trying to say that you've never plumped? <laughs> How dare you? We all know about my, my plumpness issue, but it's not that I'm fattening up anything deliberately. <laughs> okay, okay we, believe you, we believe you, we believe you. We believe you. But back to the question. If I could magic yes. up a way for all these calls to be done for you on, for no extra charge, oh. you'd be like... Tell me more, right? Yeah, yeah, if it works, why not? I have good news for you. Google is planning to ride in on its beautiful unicorn and whisk <laughs> this awful <laughs> burden of making appointments away from you. And it's called mm-hmm. Google Assistant. It was unveiled at last week's IO 2018 tech conference, and The Verge did a very cute series of articles covering it. So I'm actually covering The Verge here. The idea is that we are inundated by having to make all these annoying calls to book or change or delete appointments. And why not let Google Duplex, the AI that powers Google Assistant, do that work for you? Now, Google's been working very hard on this Duplex baby, and by its own admission, it's not the final service offer. So they still have some work to do. So let's, you know, consider it a beta. But they presented it at the conference very proudly. And during testing, Mm. they showed that Duplex can complete appointment calls without any intervention from a Google human. So basically, this means the AI makes the entire phone call on your behalf. This sounds wonderful. This doesn't like something to concern me at all. Let's leave the computers in charge. Yes. Where do I sign up? So apparently it's pretty advanced. It even understands human nuance and can react intelligently when the conversation doesn't go quite as expected. And if the system gets confused, it hands it over to a human Google operator to deal with the complexities and complete the task. Who's got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> right? Uh, oh, it's, it's me, Terry. You were speaking to a computer. Um... <laughs> I know. It's like if you suddenly just said something like, uh, Graham, what about the clowns that ate the veggie lasagnas by the sea? <laughs> what? what? Sorry? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is what Duplex is going to do. It's going to have a mental barf and it's going to hand over to someone else to, to, to finish the call. All right. Okay. Okay, so I know this sounds perfectly gorgeous, doesn't it? Hunky-dory. Sounds absolutely fine. Yeah, and the audience at the conference is pretty impressed. But after Google shows this real-life demo, which I'm about to show you, there was both amazement and horror. And the horrors kind of mushroomed so badly that Google's had to do a U-turn in the last few days. So let's see if you can spot what people freaked out about in this clip. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Okay, here we go. Can I help you? 
Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for our clients. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have it's a 10 o'clock. So realistic, isn't, it? isn't it? 10 a.m. is <laughs> fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Right? Well, that is very impressive, isn't it? Yeah, but did you anything freak you out by it? Oh, absolutely. It freaks me out because the person didn't know they were speaking to the Googleplex, exactly. did they? Exactly. And they mm. try and make it even more human sounding by adding in all those erms and mm-hmms and ahs. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah. The lady at the salon had no idea she was talking to a robot. It duped her just as it would dupe me or someone else. Can I just give my honest opinion about this story? Yes. Right. So basically, everybody's wowed by this thing where Google's AI phones up for you, makes a hair appointment or whatever, makes phone calls, you know, with a human voice, you know, on a phone and everything. Well, so this is a hair salon that doesn't have a website and an online booking form. And Google is encouraging you to use that kind of business that doesn't have a website where you can make an online booking. Because let's face it, it'd be a lot easier if you just told Google, book me at this salon, there's the web address, and it goes and book. I mean, isn't that the easier way to do it? What is the point of this? It's just, it's just nonsense. I suspect the point is there's lots of places in the world where people don't have online presence. Like, I can tell you that my GP here, it is much faster making an appointment via the phone than it is online. Like, you don't get an appointment for a month on the website. And actually, yeah, because you have to phone up at eight in the morning. And if you miss eight in the morning, then you're, you, yeah. Exactly. Crow, that's what Google would like you to think is the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Right? You've just fallen for it. I did. Well done. Yes, of course you have. This is all about the rise of the robot. I hate the rise of the robot. This is the destruction of humankind. I agree. This is just another step along. Because what they're doing is they're making them completely plausible as humans. But also they're, they're, they're making them as flawed as humans. There's that great bit, isn't there, in um, one of the Kill Bill films where they're talking about superheroes. And, and they're talking about what the different superheroes are like. And they're like, yeah, Clark Kent... Clark Kent is Superman. Superman dresses up as Clark Kent. All the other superheroes change in their superhero costumes. Superman is Superman. Clark Kent is his impression of us, of our weakness, and that kind of thing. What worries me with this is, you know, they've implanted these weaknesses in human conversation, the stutters and the ums and stuff. Why? Why do that? Why not just have perfect communication? And that's, what, can, that's what Clark Kent does to fool all of us as well, doesn't yeah. he? He has the glasses and he's all like, um, oh, clumsy. Hey, enough. I like Clark yeah. Kent. I like Clark Kent. <laughs> You're supposed to like Clark Kent because Superman would be really creepy. I know. Yeah. Well, I do. I do. He's not just hot. He can fly. <laughs> right. Okay. Unsurprisingly, people went nuts online for about five days. Articles from the media littered the tech press about the AI concerns. Primarily, the problem is, hey, we're a little uncomfortable that the lady at the salon doesn't know she's actually talking to a robot. Mm, yeah. On Twitter, uh, Ka Ping Yi, he read a really nice tweet, but he said, what Google Duplex presented, celebrated and normalized was A, recording a person without consent, which is a crime. Mm. Mm. 
B, deceiving someone for a client's personal gain. Mm. C, deceiving someone for Google's corporate gain. And D, doing the above in an automated way at scale. And I think that kind of sums it up beautifully. So did Google not contact the hair salon later and say, oh, by the way, that was a robot? Well, they, they, surely they must. I mean, G- Google wouldn't be that dumb. Surely just record a person's voice oh, and then sure. put it out at a conference. I, I, I'd be stunned if that, that they hadn't got the... Uh, the sign-off after. Uh, yeah, I would have. I would expect them to. So it feels like that tweet may be a little bit over the top. And also, this was this wasn't a live demo, was it? This was a recording. This was a recording. Now to credit Google, interestingly, because of this whole hoo ha that's gone on, and I think it's pretty legit hoo ha. I have a problem with the AI trying to mimic a human. I don't understand why it wouldn't just go, "Hi, this is a robot calling. I'm trying to book a hair appointment mm. for Lisa." right? Let them know. Um, But they have come forward and effectively said, thank you, critics. We'll now make sure the Google Assistant discloses that it's a machine and not a human being. But you know that the guys and girls that have worked so hard to make it sound as human as possible must be having a freaking breakdown right now, right? The poor sausages. (laughs) (laughs) Spent so much time going, um... You said you wanted it human. (laughs) We made it human. Why do do we waste all this time putting the ums and ahs in? I've spent years working on the erms. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the erm guy. I'm your erm. I was the erm guy. What's my job now? Erm? Like, I'm erm gonna have to find another job. (laughs) There's also been some funnies made at its expense, like this howler showing how Siri might do in the same context if Siri were making a call for you. <laughs> Hello, thank you for calling Sharkies. How can I help? Hello? Uh- Hello there, Sharkies Mexican Cantina. <laughs> I would like to eat lunch food at your restaurant business. <laughs> did you, uh, I'm sorry, did you want to make a reservation? Or- I can search the web for that. Yes. Okay, what time works best? I found this. Time magazine was founded in 1923 and originally... I love how accurate it is. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's rewind just for a second. So before Google said that Duplex and Google Assistant would disclose its robotness and calls, I was thinking what workaround I could come up with. How would receptionists and appointment takers be able to fight back? Mm, All right, okay. And like a genius, I came up with something awesome. (laughs) <laughs> you are a genius, Crow. I can't wait to hear what you thought up, which maybe Google will actually implement now because, you know, this is what they're going to suggest to people. Okay, let's hear it. Are you ready? For an appointment taker to check whether a caller is a person or a machine, you have to say something a bit random. So it freaks out and bumps it to a human teller, a human person working at Google. Oh, Okay. All right. So I say channel something like your inner Kate Bush, dive into babushka, right? Babushka, babushka. <laughs> and then, and then it might go, oh, but a real person might sing along. They might, they might laugh at it. They might go, hey. Oh, I've got one. I've got one. Aga do, do, do. Push pineapple, shake the tree. Aga do. No, no. I can Push beat both of those. The thing coffee. comes on and you go, mana, mana. Oh, yes. <laughs> they don't go, da, 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 da. You're not speaking to a human being. You're speaking to a computer. Mana, mana. Mana, mana. Graham, that was very good. You like that? Mana, mana. And thanks once again to Meta Compliance for supporting this episode of Smashing Security. People are the key to minimizing your cybersecurity risk posture. You can save 10% as a Smashing Security listener off the high-quality cybersecurity e-learning catalog by going to metacompliance.com and quoting the code SMASHING. On with the show. 
And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite time of the show? It's the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Huh? What? Can you say pick of the week? Please? Oh, pick of the week. Thank you very much. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever they like. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Could be this week. You think this week it could be? It could be. It could be this week, baby. Well, my one isn't security related. My one is a website. Okay. And it's called... Will robots take my job dot com? <laughs> Touche. You can sense the theme coming through me today, can't you, of my grumbling? So, will robots take my job dot com is a simple website where you enter your job title mm-hmm. and it will tell you if you're doomed or not. Oh, I got to give this a go. I know, podcaster, podcaster. I'm going in right now. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Carol, I've already tried podcaster and it doesn't have podcasting. My suspicion is it doesn't consider podcasting to be a real job. It didn't have podcaster, <laughs> but it does suggest cement masons and concrete finishers. It's the closest thing. It's yes, the closest 94%. Thing to 94% robots will take your job if you're a cement mason. Right. Journalists, Jeff, I've found, uh, you don't have to worry, only 11% chance of automation. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, which is better than ballet dancers. Apparently, ballet, da- not belly dancers, I haven't looked up belly, but ballet dancers, 13% chance of automation. I also looked up milkmen. I'm looking up husband right now. Milk- <laughs> <laughs> milkmen are doomed, 98% of automation. I get animal scientists when I put in husband. Probably for- <laughs> That's a straight swap, isn't it? So whatever your job, go to willrobotstakemyjob.com. I make bread, right? Robots bread take- maker. I make sourdough. Bread maker. What yeah. do you mean? Look, robots are already making bread crawl. No jobs found, bread maker. Oh, I suppose it's called a baker, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're very niche. Baker, 89%. Damn. Yeah. Right, politician. <laughs> politician. Could, uh, not listed. Politicians are apparently indispensable. Who knew? Maybe they've already been dealt with and replaced with cyborgs. Exactly. Anyway, I think a very useful site for keeping track of this what? very important you know issue. What? I'm bookmarking yeah. it. Right. I'm bookmarking it. And it's called willrobotstakemyjob.com. Boom. Good pick of the week. Thank you very much. Jeff. My pick of the week is a book. Okay. It's called Algorithms to Live By. Um, Because all I read are tech books. I don't read any other books, proper books. Don't read any fiction, detective, crime. (laughs) Are you telling me Algorithms to Live By isn't written by Jane Austen? (laughs) Reader, I calculated him. This is Brian Christian and Tom Griffith's book. This is basically, what I like about this is, you know, there's a lot of negative stuff, and I read a lot of negative tech books, obviously, about how it's going to kill us all and take our job. <laughs> algorithms to live by is how you can actually use the computer algorithms in your own life for your own benefit. I've not, I'm not massively advanced in the book at the moment, but the first chapter is all about internet dating, how to know how, to, how far to push internet dating and when to stick what? and when to twist. <laughs> You're on an internet date and you need to know when to stick and when to twist. Is this some kind of Tinder euphemism? What, is, what does when this mean? <laughs> get with the programme, Graham. That's what the youth are, th- are talking about. Obviously, there's this issue of like, you've got an infinite like amount of possible dates coming up and, and you meet somebody and you think, well, this person's good, but how do I know if I need to hold out, if I should hold out for the next person? And the answer, statistically, apparently, is 37%. If you're going <laughs> to date... 100 people after person 37 if the next person is better than the last person you looked at marry them propose to them and marry them 37 percent. stick at 37 percent. don't look at the beyond that oh 
Oh, my goodness. Statistically, if you're a maths or science or stats or logic geek, the book is really interesting from that point of view. I'm not sure they're entirely by the internet dating advice, but I do think it's nice because it's, it's basically taking the algorithms back from the machines and, and, and giving them to us. Jeff, have you thought of having a podcast where people could call in with their relationship problems and you could give them a percentage based on what you've learned in the book of, <laughs> on success or um, hey, failure? Because I'm, I'm a, in if you're in. I've got a great name for it. Algorithm Aunt. Oh, I love it. Algorithm Auntie. We, we will statistically <laughs> analyze the odds of you getting dumped or, or whatever. It's a great I idea. I love it. Okay. TM Carl Terrio and Auntie. Jeff White. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm still here, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm still, is this the end of my podcast? Are you Mr. <laughs> Botox? <laughs> Carol, what's your pick of the week? And don't say Algorithm Aunt, a brand new podcast <laughs> with Jeff White and yourself. You know me so well. So privacy, online privacy is rightly so becoming a bigger deal right now. And a lot of people want an easy cross-platform way to communicate without having to share too much personal information with the app providers or indeed with the person they're talking with. So I have a recommendation and that is Signal, a secure messaging app. Have either of you used it before? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, I know it's not new, but I just thought Actually, it's just worth giving a heads up because I've been using it for actually probably the last few months. And I've just recently started using it for voice messages as well. So voice calls. Voice quality seems really good. Onboarding new contacts is easy. I reached out this morning to a few non-signal users and to get them to install it. And it seemed to work like a charm. It's not just for the techie heads out there. The install Mm. and config is really easy. I think the UI is really nice. And it's not owned by Facebook, which I think, you know, (laughs) yay, yay. So some people have said that it has been glitchy on the iPhone. I didn't find that. There is one annoyance I found, though, is if you are on a call, I can't seem any way to be able to access the messaging functions or other signal settings or anything. You're kind of locked on that screen. Hmm. And one thing from a privacy side is that you will require your phone number for contact discovery. Yes, and that's something which has drawn some criticism of Signal in the past compared to some of the other yeah. messaging apps out there is they do ask for your phone number. So if you want to be completely and utterly private, you have to be comfortable with that or indeed go and buy yourself a a burner phone. I don't know. You've used Telegram. I haven't used it. I've, I don't. I, I would lean more towards Signal than Telegram personally. Yeah. I've used Signal for texting mostly rather than for voice calls. Yeah. Are you able to send people like little audio messages and things like that with Signal? I've never tried um, doing that. Hold on a second. Let me just check for you. It's just that you said voice messaging. I wasn't sure. If- oh, yes, you can. You can. So you could. Mm. So you can kind of tap a microphone and keep it pushed down while you leave a voice message. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So one thing I was wondering about was, is there an ability to sort of recall messages? Because you know those sort of drunken phone calls you can make late at night? <laughs> no, I don't make drunken so phone I, calls. Well, I don't drink. But people do, don't they? Just say, I love you. Or I want to tell you or whatever. Is there an ability with something like Signal or a different app to send that message and then think, oh, my word, I've got to delete that, even though I've already sent it before the other person sees <laughs> you it. You know what? If you're an idiot, you're an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Being drunk with a mobile phone, it's a bit like getting into a car when you're drunk as well, isn't there it? There should be a breathalyzer thing on the phone to stop you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you're ever sitting there going, this is a really good idea. I know this is a really good idea. You're trying to convince yourself of it. Back away. Yeah, exactly. Like Algorithm Aunt, for instance, which at the moment to you two sounds like a really good idea. You know what? But maybe, jealous. Maybe... Jeff, he's jealous. He's jealous. I know. I know. Well, we can diagnose that statistically. <laughs> 
On that bombshell, we're going to wrap up the show today. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us today. Once again, it's been terrific having you. Where should people find out what you're up to? Anything you want to plug at this point? You can follow me on Twitter, JeffWhite247. Um, and also you'll find details on there of uh, the podcast series that I did on the dark web. Yes. Uh, for Audible. It's a 10-part series and it is chapter and verse on the dark web. It's everything you need to know. I can't Some wait. really fun stuff. It's in, in my feed to listen to already and I can't wait, Jeff. It's going to be Terrific. Good. Fantastic. Good, good. Thanks for having me. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter will allow us to have a G. And if you want stickers or T-shirts or yeah, mugs. Yeah, everyone wants a sticker. Everyone wants one everyone of those. Everyone wants you can go to Smashing Security store at smashingsecurity.com slash store. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. Please rate us. Please rate us five stars. You see, I've changed my tune. Remember at the beginning, I used to be like, don't force people to give us five stars. But they should. But now, yeah. I've changed my mind. It helps <laughs> new people discover the show, so we really do appreciate it. It's good for my ego, and particularly for <laughs> Graham's mood. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can check out past episodes at smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. You're kind of crazy today, Crow. You all right? I know. Yeah, it's spring. It was high energy. You, you were quite bonkers. Was I too bonkers? No, I'm not saying too bonkers. I'm just saying you had a lot of energy. Oh, dear. I know what that means. That's code, right? That's man, that's man code to say fucking insane, isn't it? Do we have to re-record now from the no, beginning? No, 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 no. Look, I had a coffee right before the call.